Hey, what's up there, Surf Splendor podcast listeners? This is David Scales welcoming you back. Thank you for your loyal and continued listenership. We're thrilled to have you and to be back for yet again another episode. Uh, the feedback from the last two has been positive. Dan Malloy got some good, nice, uh, kind words and emails about that episode. And then, of course, our last episode, Jason Baffa talking about his latest film project, Bella Vida. Good news. We've actually secured and solidified the screening, the movie theater and the screening for Bella Vida. So officially, it is Wednesday, September 24th at 7.30 p.m., at the AMC Marina Pacifica Theater in Long Beach, California. So if you are anywhere near Long Beach, I'm in Huntington Beach. It's a five-minute drive for me. Um, or any of the or- North Orange County, South LA County surrounding areas, you can get to that theater. And um, it's on a Wednesday night. So hopefully everybody who's nearby listening to this show can can join. I know that... Um, Not everybody, not all of our listeners, probably the vast majority of listeners are not in Southern California. But if you're local, it's going to be the first event that Surf Splendor has officially hosted. So um, it'd be awesome to have you there. I'm going to do a little Q&A intro with Jason Baffa, the filmmaker, prior to the show screening. You can buy, you have to buy tickets actually online in advance. And they're available on our website, Surf splendorpodcast.com it's 11 bucks normal movie ticket price and uh so we're excited about that and we hope that you can join and again if you can't join and you live somewhere else you can go to bella vita film and actually host a screening yourself just like i'm doing they have a form you fill out super simple doesn't cost you anything you don't earn anything but it's just a great way to see the film so go ahead and follow through and do that that'd be amazing and then um Otherwise, if you're new to the show and all that information is new to you, uh, welcome. And we do alternating formats. One week is surf news. The alternating week is kind of a profile piece with somebody in the industry, in the surf industry, the pro surfer. And uh, this week, we are bringing you an episode of Surf News with Scott Bass, our loyal co-host and longtime, longtime host of Down the Line, which was terrestrial radio show. And now, you know, a, a, co- a podcast that I help co-host. So welcome to the show. You can find all of our information and social media links and all that stuff on surfsplendorpodcast.com, as well as an archive to all past episodes, which I encourage you to go and spend time through the archives and enjoy that stuff. And I think that is it in terms of business for now. I will be back at the end of the show to sign us off. So enjoy today's show. Down the line, surf talk radio. Scott Bass, David Lee Scales here with you. I can tell that leaning over into the mic like this is going to not be good for me. As long as you project. It, project. It, I will project. I will do my best to project. In these cramped quarters that is my office, I apologize. It's uh, September 3rd. It is a Wednesday afternoon. It's been about three weeks since our last show. 
And uh, we were on schedule to do every, every two weeks, but Hurricane Marie got in our way. Hurricane Marie will do that. I thought about Instagramming out our uh, text message exchange just so that listeners could know that we weren't just uh, being lazy, but in fact, surfing takes priority, as it always does, right? I was playing the role of the scorned wife, actually. <laughs> <laughs> you were. You were an angry man. But, um, yeah, you know, when something as consequential and quite frankly, historic as Hurricane Marie comes along, you know, all bets are off and um, we're off and running and chasing waves. And uh, I guess that's a good place to start. I don't know. Do you want to recap? You're usually pretty good at that. Uh, yeah. I mean, not a whole lot to recap. I'm Scott Bass I'm sitting here with my coat. No. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm oh, David did I, Scale. Did I not? I, I apologize. You said both of our names. Oh, did I? Yeah. But I was just going to claim your name, see if listeners would even notice actually. I think they would. I've been getting some emails. Have you? Yeah. Uh, who are the emails directed at or complimenting or insulting? Um, well, the one that I remember was um, basically like, hey, you guys have a good rapport. And it's sort of refreshing not to hear Baldy talk about golf all the time. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> so both of us uh, survived that grenade. Baldy yeah. took the shrapnel. He did. Yeah. Bomber, dude. Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry, did you forward that to Baldy? I did. I, th- I may have. I don't know, but I'm, you've probably haven't heard any of our old shows. But we would wax on eloquently for half the show or more on, you know, the Masters. <laughs> right, right, right. And how it should be the U.S. Open of youth lifestyle or something yeah. stupid like that. Yeah. Exactly. Um, no. So catching up from last episode, actually, I'm not sure um, how much there is to catch up on. But I mean, this Hurricane Marie thing is this the best? run of surf we're ever going to see in our lives i would say so well yeah i mean i don't know you know we can't speak for the future but regarding the uh the past there i you know i think this is the best south swell we've ever received yeah no i would say so for from, sure. from a hurricane you know yeah. now there was hurricane linda in 97 there were some good hurricanes in 97 and 96 right in that era um, but, uh, this one pretty powerful. Yeah, no. And not only that, there was a hurricane just prior to that. So we got a solid week of really, really good surf and then maybe two down days and then po- like pow hurricane Marie. And, uh, and that was arguably the best swell I've ever seen in my life. And a lot of guys like Rich Harbor in seal beach, who's been there since the forties or something was saying it's the bi- biggest, best shaped South swell he's ever seen. So really remarkable and then the east coast got i think cristobal east coast of the u.s and then the goldie got some it's like everybody not everybody but a lot of people around the world definitely got waves so where'd you surf i was down in northern mexico i can see that sly grin creasing your face knowing that i'm not going to really say exactly where i surfed and i don't think it really matters but uh, those that know know it wasn't a secret spot by any stretch of the imagination but i did go down to baja norte and um, i spent three days down there and surfed really good waves really big waves and you know surprisingly um who paddled out but matt biolas so you guys weren't planning to meet up down there you just randomly showed up yeah just randomly showed up crazy well you're trying to be incognito with your location but your instagrams provided <laughs> enough detail i think for anybody who's been down there to figure it out and then Unfortunately, Biolis chimed in on yours or tagged you, 
and I think that he geotagged his post. Oh, you're kidding. I think so. <laughs> or, I mean, I know he did, but I didn't actually open it up to see how accurate it it was. Right. But he did geotag Oh, it. that's cool. Well, yeah, well, then follow Matt Biolis, and you'll know I wasn't very, very many kilometers from the border. Well, I remember one time he dropped off some boards at Sippo's house and then Instagrammed a photo of the boards from Sippo's garage and geotagged that. Oh, yeah, so it's that's like that faux pas. It, it pinpoints Sippo's house, you know? Yeah. I was like, whoops. Yeah. They might have deleted it, but it was pretty funny at the time. Well, the thing about Hurricane Marie, of course, is that it sent great waves here to Southern California, as we mentioned. And, um, you know, primarily, you know, the Newport Beach area, the Wedge and, and 18th Street and that whole stretch, quite frankly, was all time. Um, and uh, it was it was historic. You know, it really was. So that's my zone, Huntington Beach, Newport Beach. And I've surfed Newport Beach a ton, but never actually caught that side of Newport very good. And the spot that really turned on is called uh, The Point, basically. And I feel bad talking about it almost because prior to this swell, it's like you don't really talk about The Point. Even if you catch it, you should never promote the fact that it was good. And uh, But here you are promoting well, The Point. It got blown up. I'm, I'm not doing telling anybody anything that isn't already out there it was on surfer magazine uh surfing magazine stabmag.com every website out there every professional who was in southern california's instagram yeah everybody labeled it and tagged it so it's no secret now but they call it the newport beach pipeline and uh, i always thought that was a little bit too bold of a claim but even rob machado was out there during this swell and he said it was legitimately like pipeline and um, Jordy Smith, Chloe Andino, uh, a lot of kind of the A-list WCT guys were there for it. You know, I I, I think Jamie that's a, I think that's a stretch a little bit. I don't yeah. think it was like Pipeline. I think there was hollow left-hand tubes. I think it's more like uh, Puerto Escondido. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we're talking about a sand bottom hollow tube ride, and right. so that really sort of conjures up images of Puerto Escondido and a couple of other spots in the mainland Mexico. Um, the, the Newport comes to pipeline thing is just sort of an ode to an article in one of the, the 1975 issue of Surfer Magazine where they had a similar swell and they were saying, hey, you know, this day pipeline came to Newport or whatever. And yeah. so everyone sort of uses that same frame or, or moniker or tagline for it. But um, I'm not. And by the way, the waves are incredible. I, it was obvious that the waves were insane. I'm just suggesting that. I don't know if it's quite like pipeline. Let's put it this way. The best, heaviest, solid waves out at the point were similar to some medium waves at pipeline during certain swells. That might be the best you could say about it. Yeah. I, I, I'm, and I'm not suggesting that the tubes weren't huge, that right. the tubes weren't as big as the tubes at pipeline. It's just that we're talking about sand bottom versus really gnarly reef. And just it's just, it, quite frankly, it's just more characteristic of a beach break in Mexico. Yeah, no, I fully agree, and I did not paddle out there. I actually, the biggest day of the swell, I took off because I had surfed a couple days previous and kind of got worked on that Tuesday night prior to Big Wednesday. But um, but it just, there's a tremendous amount of water moving out there. Like you're talking about Puerto Escondido, it's like pipeline is easier to surf in certain respects in that there's a channel and a way to paddle out, whereas this beach break in Puerto Escondido, it's like, just a sweeping river of current going south to north. So even if you can make it out through the bombs that you're taking on the head, staying in position for one of those 
basically is left up to Jamie O'Brien and Rob Machado, you know, and those guys. The average dudes are having a hard time doing it. They might luck into one, but. You know, the thing about Hurricane Marie is that the videos are really, we're, are going to do it way more justice than you and I sitting here trying to sort of deconstruct it and how great it was. I mean, that, that's the power of the video these days, you know, YouTube, Vimeo, whatever. And everybody's seen it, you know, so I don't know how much we can sit here and chat about it. Well, it, it, it is what it is. You know, They like, have not heard about my personal experience surfing Malibu on those days. Well, speaking of Malibu, tell me about Malibu. Laird was the alpha dog. I understand that that Laird saved a guy's life, shot the pier, helped litter um, some, uh, helped to birth a litter of puppies, and then mm-hmm. taught them American Sign Language. Finishing that up, of course, went back out and shot the pier again. Laird did it all. You know those um, German shepherds that only speak German? Yes. He taught it to speak German in French. Nice. It was really impressive. That makes and sense. Then, and then, uh, yeah, picked up litter on the beach on his way in. I mean, the guy's he's basically a superhero, yeah. you know? But, no, he was out there that – that I guess he was out there two days, but I was out there the, win- the uh, Tuesday night that the swell was filling in. And, uh, yeah, dude, he's shredding. He's on a stand-up paddleboard catching all the sets and – and doing his thing, but um, the biggest, most perfect Malibu I've ever surfed, hands down. Like, just wrapping from the outside all the way in. Like, breaking on the outside of the pier even when it gets to the pier. And what's nuts, though, about that wave is how many people are in the lineup. There's hundreds of people in the lineup on 30-pound logs with no leash. And so, as that swell was filling in, when I paddled out in the afternoon, it was probably head high or so. And by the time I got out of the water, it was probably double overhead easily. And there was this one set that broke probably 50 yards beyond everybody and just basically steamrolled the lineup three or four waves. And guys can't duck dive a, you know, triple overhead whitewash with a longboard. So they just ditch it. And there's literally hundreds of people doing it. And so I'm looking at this chaos in front of me just going, what in the world? I'm just going to duck dive whatever's coming at me. And it might be a board and it, I probably won't get under the whitewash and um, guys who duck dove 20 yards in front of you to the left end up 10 yards behind you to the right and vice versa in every scenario, just complete chaos. So it's um, it's nuts and surprising that more people don't get hurt, you know, really gnarly. Yeah. You know, surfing's dangerous. It's a dangerous sport, dangerous endeavor. I, I'm stoked that the, uh, surf leashless hashtag has continued <laughs> to uh, carry some weight here even as we go through september after the G- june 21 that's the protocol at malibu dude yeah but um but the waves themselves honestly were phenomenal like i got a couple waves that were the best waves i've caught in years that i could even remember you what know? board were you riding i was actually riding that donnie brink asymmetrical board that oh, yeah. we both got at the same time yeah yeah yeah, it's a stringerless EPS, probably like five feet, I don't know, seven or eight inches tall. I forget, but um, just paddle super easy, and I didn't feel undergunned at all. I was, I didn't really think it was that huge, and then when I got to the beach and looked back, I'm like, well, it's freaking well overhead. Yeah. But I felt fine on the board, you know. Yeah. Had a couple uh, pretty solid thrashings though that felt good, you know, just to kind of get shaken up and realize yeah what you're doing again, and yeah, it was fun, dude. Super fun session actually. Well, at Malibu, um, unfortunately, you know, Laird did rescue somebody, but there was a death. Um, sadly, 54-year-old Silverio 
Laconce of Los Angeles passed away. I imagine he drowned. The news report that I have here in front of me doesn't say how he died, but um, you know that's you get a, you get hundreds hundreds and hundreds of people in the water on a big swell and. Eventually, something's going to go wrong with one of us. Well, th- he actually died the day that I was out there. Oh, that Tuesday. That Tuesday. Yeah. And um, I didn't know that when I was surfing. And I don't know if it actually happened while I was surfing or not. But that steamroller set, I ducked dove, you know, three or four waves and lost my board on the second one. It just got ripped out of my hands. And by the time I made it through the set, I was realizing that I was pretty much out of gas. And if a longboard comes at you at that point, and hits you, there's really not a whole lot you could do. I was feeling pretty vulnerable at that moment, you know? Yeah, and yeah. and I, I mean, I'm, I've surfed enough to kind of feel comfortable in the ocean, but the people around me looked like drowned rats with these giant eyes kind of freaked out for their life. And a couple of them just head in, boards were being broken just by duck diving. So yeah, you could see all you need is for one additional thing to go wrong and you can pretty easily, um, you know, find yourself in that position. So. But anyways, I that's why I didn't surf the next day, actually, is I just kind of got thrashed. And then I woke up and read that news about that guy dying while I was out there. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to take today off, dude. It's going to be a good show and all the pros are in town. And maybe I should just sit on the sidelines now. Yeah, yeah. You know? Oh, well, good for you. Discretion, my friend. Yeah, I surfed the next day. Got some good waves throughout the swell. But it's like you don't need to be a hero on the peaking day, you know? No. So anyways, I'm glad you got waves down there, too at your undisclosed location. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I got a few. I was literally surfing by myself on Thursday with six to eight foot waves, 10 foot sets, nobody out but me, all by myself, low tide. Did you go down there by yourself? No, I went with a buddy. I thought about asking if I could hitch a ride along with you guys when we talked a day or two before, but I had a couple things on the agenda I didn't want to cancel. Yeah, yeah. So, But that would have been sick. So, um, I guess the last event and the on the ASP World Tour that went down was the Tahiti event, right? Holy crap, dude. Yeah. We could devote an entire show just to Tahiti. Well, I don't, see, that's interesting. I don't know that we can. I feel like, look, it's all out there. Everybody that cares has seen it or heard about it or watched it. You know, I, I kind of feel like there's not a whole lot we can talk about other than some opinions about the event. You know, like, I don't know if dissecting every wave and how their rail was set inside of, you know, it's like the videos doesn't lie, you know, and it was incredible, right? Yeah, but I think there's a lot of kind of detailed unpacking that you can do in this form that you can't do, that they don't really devote the time to with the with the uh, webcast. But I agree, it's kind of past passe at this point. It's a week old, so we don't need to rehash it because everybody's been over, I don't know, overstimulated with it. But if we did a show the day after, I think that would warrant a full episode. What about having um, everyone agrees that the John John Florence Kelly Slater semifinal was perhaps, if not the greatest heat in ASP history, one of them. There have been thousands, obviously, tens of thousands and perhaps millions of heats. Um, should they have had John John and Kelly resurf? Should the ASP have said, you know what, you're tied. It was incredible. Let's do it again. Let's let's settle this thing. I don't want to say the correct way, but um, in a way that may appease everybody. There's no way. I mean, they did. They provided. They both got the opportunities. They both surfed to their full potential. I don't know what giving them another 30 minutes is going to show us that we already didn't see. Like, it's going to come down to a razor thin margin. That's what you want. That's 
what they have the potential to do. They did it. We got it. It's yeah. in the can. Let's move forward. I you don't need agree. to do take I two. I totally agree because um, it wasn't something that that people were yearning for. You didn't get the sense that you 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 were ripped off or anything like no. that. You know what I mean? And, no. and hey, just to go to the next highest wave makes sense. Right. Now, um, Gabe Medina. Yep. I have this thing about Gabe Medina. Um, I don't like him. Okay. I don't like Gabe. Um, not that he's a bad guy, but he's sort of my bad guy. He's um, he's the guy with the black hat on. Um, and I think that the sport needs that. I don't know if you read my little missive that I sent you, but... Um, I did. I think but that we should embrace having a bad guy. And I think Gabe is my bad guy. I'm sure you have your bad guy. But the a ASP should embrace him being sort of the bad guy. And... Um, the, the problem I don't want to force you know a square peg into a round hole here well here's the thing I agree with your statement that it's good to have a bad guy but I don't you haven't explained why he's the bad guy well for me he's the bad guy because he's kind of unseating Kelly you know like he's unseating the North American champion he's right. a Brazilian from South America therefore when I get out the patriotic flag and start to wave nationalism around um, Gabe Medina's the guy that dethroned the American hero. Right. And so that's why he's my bad guy. It's not that he's a bad person. I mean, he's a bad guy in the sense that, you know, there's Jimmy Connors and there's, um, you know, John McEnroe. You know, like there's going to be the, the bad guy. As I sent, you know, in my email to you, there every sport has that. Every sport has the bad guy. There's the Richard Sherman. Not everyone likes this. I don't know. Do you follow football at all? Enough to know who Richard so Sherman Richard is. Richard Sherman, yeah. the Seattle Seahawks kind of big mouth. So he sort of can be a bad guy. He's polarizing. Every sport has a polarizing figure. Uh, Tony Stewart now in NASCAR is that guy. Um, in soccer, it's the uh, Luis Suarez, I think, the guy that bit the other guy in the World Cup, right. the biter. He's bit a lot of people, apparently. Yeah, so, I mean, every sport has that, and it's good for the sport, and I just think that the ASP should embrace that. I think Gabriel should take that on a little bit, you know, if it's natural. Of course, you can't, you know, it has to be an organic thing. But I don't think I'm alone um, in waving the nationalistic flag of the USA, and, and I think that there's other surfers that would say, yeah, I don't really like Gabe Medina. He surfs incredible. He's there's no doubt that he's an incredible surfer, but he's the guy that's sort of dethroning the North American champion, and therefore, by default, he's our bad guy. Okay, uh, I don't disagree with you, but I'm going to make you work for your point. And I'm also going to say that it's not the ASP's job to determine. This isn't the WWF or WWE. You know what I mean? Like because you think he's a bad guy because we're Americans, but in Brazil, they're looking at him like he's you know, the second coming basically. So ASP shouldn't take sides nationalistically. They should just stick to being the unbiased overseer. I, I don't know that. I think there's a fine line somewhere. And I agree with you. They're not the WWE. They're, they're not, we're not out here to make um, stories that aren't stories. We want honesty. We want integrity. The ASP demands it. I don't blame them. I'm just suggesting that, that there are storylines out there. The fact of the matter is, a South American Brazilian is dethroning uh, not only USA's hero, but Australia's hero in McFanning. Well, let's let me. And so let's 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 wave some of this nationalism around. Let's get the nations sort of competing against each other. Let's not have a group hug. Let's make it so that, hey, this, the fact of the matter is this young hotshot who's kind of got a little bit of a chippy attitude. At least I sense that. 
um, is dethroning our guy. He's dethroning the 11-time the world champion. I think that story, um, and I'm not saying they're ignoring it. I'm just saying let's um, massage it a little bit. Okay. Let me ask you, in all honesty, did you view Mick Fanning as the bad guy the past couple of years that he's won? And Joel Parkinson the year before last. I did not root for those guys. But did you view them as the guy wearing the black hat, as you put it? No. Why not? Um, Probably because... Tell the truth. Because <laughs> Fanning has blue eyes and blonde hair. The blue-eyed whoa, devil. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, it's true. He looks whoa, like you. Whoa, 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 whoa. He's from a different country. You're, now you're getting into, like, racial... You're, no. getting a, you're a racist. I'm just... David Lee Scales. I'm not the one who's calling him the bad guy. I'm just pointing out the obvious. What I'm no, hear me out. What I'm saying is, I think it's more has to no. more to do with that that Mick and Parko and Kelly are from the same they're, era. They're not. Well, they're not Ke- from the Kelly, same era. Kelly transcends, but but I mean, if you're looking for mature guys on tour, you know, Kelly and Parko and Mick, they have all got eight, nine, ten years or whatever it is. Yeah, but they're not from the same era. More mature than the young guys on tour. My point is just that. I think that you're giving Dave... All right, I hate Brazilians. (laughs) I'm just going to say it. Thank you. I don't want a Brazilian to to win the world title. Let's put it... I don't. Well... I do not want a Brazilian to win the world title. why not? I thought you were joking, but if you're serious, why not? I mean, look, there's only... You know, there's a little bit of... of comic relief here, I guess. But the fact of the matter is, I always root for Americans. When I'm watching Ryder Cup golf, I'm rooting for Americans. When I'm watching... I know, know, but calling him a bad guy is different than not rooting for Mick Fanning. You know what I mean? Look, he's the guy I'm going to root for, I root against, just like I'm going to root against the Yankees. I'm going to root against Duke basketball. I'm going to root against Tony Stewart. I'm going to root against... I'm just asking you to analyze. You don't have to do it on air, but think about why it is that he's a bad guy where Mick Fanning is just... Because he's not an American. But neither is Mick Fanning. And he's not a bad guy. He's just the guy you're not rooting for. I'm not for. a big fan of Mick Fanning. But, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, you do. Sure. You personally distinguish those things as different. I will tell you that I do as well. And I'm not sure why. I just think that for whatever reason, Brazil has a little bit of that um, connotation that people think of. They paddle out in the line. Brazilians paddle out in the lineup and they try to catch every wave. And I haven't personally experienced that with Brazil. But when you go on any message board or any video that's posted online and read the comments sections, that's what people say about um, about Brazilians, whether it's just or unjust. And so I'm afraid that that Gabriel has, has a little bit of that stink on him that probably isn't fair. I think like we've seen him wear his heart on his sleeve and cry when he lost an unfair score against Julian Wilson in Portugal last year. And so it's easy to kind of point the finger and be like, oh, He's not very sportsman or he's he's too hot-headed or too emotional or whatever it is. Well, I will say that there's other Brazilians I'd rather see win it. I, I, I personally I, won it. He is the one I would want to win. I, I, I think that um, Miguel Pupo handles himself a little classier. Yeah, but, but I don't think... But, but this is, for me, this is about... Look, my, my disdain for Gabe is way more than it is for Mick or Parco. But I didn't want Mick or Parko to win the world title. No. I just have a deeper disdain for Gabe, perhaps because he's Brazilian. You made that clear. <laughs> no, but <laughs> let me say that again. Yeah, no. And I'm not again. These aren't my personal feelings. It's just the truth of the way that it looks out in the the surf culture. I'm just illustrating that you're representing the reality of the surf culture. And conversely, 
Brazilians have a lot of nationalistic pride. And so they feel very strongly about Adriano and about Gabriel. And um, to be perfectly honest, I think that they're going to have a world champ this year. I do too. I, I, I would be surprised if Gabe doesn't win it. And if he does win it, he deserves it. There's no doubt. I mean, you got it. The guy's an incredible surfer. I mean, it's it has more to do with, you know, who am I going to root for? Well, I'm going to root for an American. And then I guess I'm going to root for an Australian because I've been there. I lived there. I know the culture. And then the thing that I don't know that I'm ignorant and naive to is the Brazilian culture and the Brazilian um, sense of bravado 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 how does it well how does andy irons fit into that equation andy irons was my black hat guy anyone who knows me knows that i was not a fan of andy irons i loved the way he surfed but i would always root for kelly slater over Hmm. andy irons interesting he was that guy and that was needed and it was great for the sport of surfing i mean all of us that were there that year i think it was oh six um maybe i don't know oh four something when um when Andy beat Kelly at pipe, that I mean that on that was, back door came down to one wave. That right? was incredible theater, it's like a nine man. five or incredible ten. Incredible theater. Yeah, no. So and, you know, so you got to you know, but I've always um, and I mean, and of course Jack McCoy sort of put that black hat on Andy, and and those of us that were Kelly fans jumped on that. Right. And there's just as many, maybe not just as many, but a lot of people who want to root for the guy with the black hat on. Absolutely. Too. Oh, there's no doubt about it. So. Interestingly, I feel like your sentiment was mirrored throughout the event where Gabriel obviously was the informed surfer. He didn't fall throughout the entire event. He posted nines and tens in almost every round, yet nobody seemed to or very few people referenced him when they were talking about performers of the event. It was all about John John. It was about Kelly. They spread a little bit of love on Owen and Bede and Dion Atkinson, Kai uh kai otten nathan hedge some of the guys who you didn't expect to perform but gabriel just slipped through every heat quietly posting eights nines and tens and then won the event and actually after the event kelly posted an instagram and gave a shout out to owen and john john saying they look like the performers of the event and he got tons of backlash from brazilian followers who commented on there and like how dare you Gabriel beat you at your own game and beat all those other guys in the meantime. Why wouldn't you give a shout out to Gabriel? And you know what? Kudos for the Brazilians because they're helping to sort of to to excavate this um, this nationalistic divide that I think is good for the sport. It's good to have Gabe as the bad guy. I'm glad he's my bad guy. And I'm hoping that others have a bad guy. Maybe it's Gabe. Maybe it isn't. But like I said, all good sport has this type of dichotomy. No, I agree with you. You're right in that sense. I just, I don't think Gabe has done anything to really deserve that moniker yet. He's- well, he comes off, and I don't know if this is necessarily his fault. It could just be that he doesn't, there's a communication barrier, there's a language yeah. issue. But he does come off a little bit, um, I don't know, uh maybe too casual or aloof perhaps well in the past when he wore his heart on his sleeve people criticized him i didn't i love people did people did i can't speak for them no but i think i think his approach is right keep your head down keep your responses short and just let your surfing do the talking you can't go wrong letting your surfing do the talking you know what i mean what does he have to do to lose the world title i mean we've got three events left hurley france Portugal, Portugal, pipe. and pipe. 
four events left. He really has to do bad. I was looking today, actually. I think he's got three or four wins, three wins. He's, his, his line looks solid. I think he's throwing away a ninth and a fifth. And he's won at lowers in a six-star or a prime previously. He could very well win lowers. Um, actually, he beat Glenn Hall there, I think, a year or two ago, too, in the CT. But anyways, he's done really well at lowers. He's won, I he, think, in France in the past, right? I don't know, but I know he did well at pipe last year. He did well at pipe. So, you know, I think we need um, those of us that want to see um, the bad guy do bad. I think mm-hmm. we need to see some sort of external pressures come on him. Like he needs to start to if he can start to think about, hey, I'm this close to being a world champion. Maybe we'll get a little little Parkoism happening and he'll just right. falter. Well, I've got a couple thoughts. I think that it's very different. Winning a world title versus maintaining a world title are two entirely different things. We've heard Mick talk about that. You just referenced Parco, which is an apt uh, reference. And then Kelly Slater's talked about it at length, you know, how how much different it's been over the years for him to maintain that pole position. And so I think Gabriel, based on talent and drive alone at this part, at this point, he can win the world title this year. Moving beyond this, and once he has some complications with life and girls get involved in his in his world, you know, that will be different, and we'll have to see how he manages those things. Now, what I'm more interested in is what this real competitor does to Kelly Slater and his drive. We haven't seen him be challenged like this since Andy Irons, and you could argue that Mick has challenged him, but not really with the same consistency and, like, you know, back-to-back sparring that Gabriel's offering him. Owen did it for a few events there two or three years ago. But I think this could be a contender. We thought it was going to be John John next. But this could be a contender for Kelly, where Kelly goes, you know what, I was looking at retirement, and now I got this kid who is beating me at Chopu during perfect surf, where I, by all means, should be winning, and he's taking it to me. I'm not going to go out in a loser's position. I don't know. I, I, you know, first of all, Kelly was just one foam ball rail dig away from perhaps winning the event, right? That one wave where he fell. Horseshoes and hand grenades, dude. Yeah, no, I'm just saying that it wasn't like he got completely obliterated by, by Gabriel as far as the score. Definitely not. But just like he beat John John in the heat prior, Gabe beat him in that next heat. And that's all that matters, you know? Yeah, you know. Look, I'm not going to make excuses for Kelly, but certainly there must have been a little bit of of anticlimactic. Um, you know, he even said, you know, I got to go get myself fired up for this next final. I, I, he, he felt like he surfed the final. It felt like the final. John John versus right. Kelly felt like the final. So, um, I look, I hope it fires him up. Everyone wants him to stay on tour. He's 42. I don't, you know, I, I, I would love for him to win the world title and just – call it you know be, really be done with it yeah. really yeah i oh, think that I would be a good way to go out i'm i'm really we'll have to check in in 12 months from now or something but i'm really hoping i mean i'm always hoping kelly wins but that aside i would love it if gabriel actually took this thing and that just fired kelly up what is it against the united states of america that what, <laughs> what is your problem with um I'm looking at the, the bigger USA. picture. I'm looking at the bigger picture, and I want Kelly's in it for the next ten years. Big picture stuff. Well, you want Kelly out next year. You just said it. I'm just saying USA. What, why wouldn't you want Kelly Slater to win this year? You want I mean, Kelly? What, what do you got against the Stars and Stripes? You said you want Kelly to win and walk away. I'm saying I want him for ten more years. America, 
<laughs> Good God. I'm, um, I'm staring at a p- potential communist. Yeah, right, dude. Uh, so all in all, the best event I've ever watched in my life. I had more excitement and anxiety and adrenaline for that couple of days, the last couple of days of the and the first day of the event than I've had for an event ever. And it was just like so rad to be a part of. It was incredible. The the whole family was in the family room with the event on the big screen, just right. totally tuned in. And that says a lot for the ASP and for Paul Speaker's vision because, you know, my wife is into it, you know, mm-hmm. and she doesn't surf. My daughter's into it, you know, and we're excited watching it just like we would be watching U.S. Open tennis or U.S. Open golf at the best venue possible. What do you call it? The, the Tahitian Open of, yeah, I guess that's what it is, right? Is that what they called it? Something like that? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> All right. Well, great event. Well, let's just finish up with this. If you feel like Gabe Medina is the guy that's now wearing the the black hat, so to speak, um, email David or myself and let us know how you feel about that. Do you like the fact that um, I'm sort of throwing that black hat on Gabriel? Do you feel like, do you root against Gabriel or do you root for Gabriel? What kind of a hat would he be wearing? A black Stetson. Oh, really? (laughs) It's like a cowboy from Brazilian cowboy. Yeah. Gaucho. Yeah. He's the dark. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the great dark. Not that I need. I don't know if I need to reiterate or not, but I kind of feel a need to. I love Kelly Slater. I want Kelly to be the hero of all time, but I want his, I want his game to be elevated. I want him to be surfing at his full potential. And I think Gabriel is the shot in the arm that Kelly needs and so that's all that I'm saying, you know? Right. Fair enough. And, and Gabriel's been deserving it, too. I mean, the kid is ripping, undoubtedly. So, Last week, Jay Adams had his memorial paddle out uh, at Venice Beach, or Venice Pier, I should say. Of course, Jay Adams, legendary Dogtown skateboarder, um, surfer, a guy who's certainly had his roller coaster ride with life's problems. And Jay was down in mainland Mexico, I believe, at Puerto Escondido, surfing and um, had a heart attack and passed away. And they had his memorial at Venice Pier. And there was hundreds of uh, surfers, famous surfers as well, famous people. Um, And Jay died sober. He died a Christian guy, a guy who loved uh, God. And, And I just wanted to bring note of that to the show. Did um I knew that he was on a surf trip and that he died of a heart attack, but did he actually die in the water? Do you know? I can't say for sure, but I don't think he died in the water. Okay. Did you know Jay Adams at all, or did you meet him? I ha- I didn't know him. I didn't meet him. I I had been in some of the same circles. Yeah. You know, on the North Shore, but or excuse me, I might have been at the same house party or something. But. <laughs> I saw, I never met Jay either, but um, he spent the last few years, or I don't know how many years, in Huntington Beach, and which is where I'm from. And I see I see him in the water all the time. I mean, he was a regular at the pier, surfed every single day, and um, was a nice guy by all accounts. And just by whatever little interactions I'd have with him, see somebody burn him on a wave, and Jay never stepped out of line. He was always super cool to everybody. So, um yeah, sad moment for surfing and skating, but be memorialized through the documentary, I guess, Dogtown and Z-Boys, and then the Hollywood film that was made after that. If anybody wants to see more about Jay, you can learn about him there. 
The Red Bull Cape Fear event went off on Sunday at Sydney's, um, one of the outer, not outer reefs, but sort of an outer part of the of the Sydney area. Ledging reef. Yeah. Did you happen to catch any of the Red Bull Cape Fear? I watched the recap stuff, but was out of town when it was running live. Yeah, and I actually tuned in live randomly just to check it out. I just happened to be in front of my computer and... There seemed to be some glitches in it, but I did check it out later on in the week, and um, I was a little bit underwhelmed, you know. Um, they sort of built it up to be this really incredible, um, you know, it's going to be life-threatening, you know, 10 to 12 feet, ledgy, and um, and I think even the surfers would tell you it was a little bit underwhelming as far as the swell. The one thing that was neat was the Red Bull production quality, of course, was A+, and they had all this pre-roll stuff that they showed during the event like the history of the area and and some of the safety um you know aspects and processes that they go through and there was a, just a bunch of really great pre-produced stuff that they put in the can and that they showed you during the webcast and then they'd bring you back to the broadcast and um it was a lot it was just a slow day of surfing. Right. You know, when the waves came, it was great, but it was something that needed to be boiled down into a post-production session. And just, you know, if we could just see like an hour show, I think it would have been a great hour-long TV show. So uh, for listeners who didn't watch it, the format was like eight man-on-man heats, right? And and basically eight winners. It's not an elimination format. It's just man-on-man, and then that person is the winner of that heat and of the day, but there's eight of them, right? Yeah, and they were each given $10,000, so they're oh, giving really? away $80,000. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, and I what I do like about Red Bull with doing stuff like this, the concept is always cool and innovative, and it didn't pan out. And I know when they did the one at Jaws, that didn't really pan out either. I don't think they ever even ran that event. But what I like about it is that they seem to really put the keys in the hand of the local you know, chargers, Mark Matthews, and I forget who else. But it's like, look, you guys know this spot better than anybody. You know who should be invited to this event based on who the local chargers are. A lot of those guys don't have sponsors. They're working day jobs. And you know the international guys like Shane Dorian, Bruce Irons, who should be flown in for this one-day event. And um, and they really just let Mark Matthews and... I, Ryan Hipwood. Is Ryan Hipwood, yeah. right, who won his heat too. Both those guys won their heats. So I like that about it. You know, there doesn't seem to be a lot of red tape. Red Red Bull, coincidentally, just kind of lets them have free reign of the event and finances it for them. So I think it's a cool thing in that respect. It is. It's unfortunate they've had these two events, Piahi, the Jaws event, or they didn't have it, but they wanted to have it, and then, um, and then this Cape Fear event. And so they've sort of misfired twice, but certainly their hearts are in the right place. They... This particular event, they ran into sort of a trifecta of um, letdowns in that they followed the Chopu event, which was all time and super hard to, you know, it's like following Richard Pryor on stage. You you know, you're just not going to get very many laughs. And then Hurricane Marie here took a lot of the media's attention. And then on the Gold Coast, the waves were firing. So they had Kira and incredible stuff coming out of there. And, um, you know, then sort of this lackluster surf on this Sunday and it, so it was just a bit underwhelming. Well, my thought on that is I don't know that Red Bull even cares. I think that us core surfing community are bummed that the waves weren't good. But the amount of um, 
marketing that they've got out of the pre-event stuff and even that they'll get out of the event itself and the post-event stuff extends so far beyond the core surf community it gives them street cred for the people in middle america who want to be a part of the surf world that they they see an event like that was taking place they're already buying cans of red bull it doesn't matter if it took place in the best conditions or not that only matters to us and to be honest i'm watching you drink a can of something right now and it's not red bull so (laughs) so how much do we care you know you know, I, I'm drinking a can of Coca-Cola. This is the first can of Coke I've had in a long time. I'm not a big uh, believer in the sugar water. but How was it? It was, um, it, it coated my teeth. Let's okay. just say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you got? Anything next on your, I've got some more. If you No, keep speak. going. I, my notes aren't up. So. Uh, well, the Big Wave World Tour um, has sent out a press release basically saying, the Southern Hemisphere season has closed. Of course, the Big Wave World Tour owned by the ASP. Um, can you name any of the winners from the Southern Hemisphere season? Uh, yeah, what's his name? Uh, Makua Rothman won one event. I forget which event it was. Um, Did you know that because I asked Twiggy, you before? Twig- the- no, I swear I didn't. Uh, Grant Twiggy Baker was the champ previously, and I think he won an event or two this year. That's about it. Pete Mel won an event, but I don't think that was this year. I think that was last year. <laughs> so okay, that's so, about it. So you think Grant Twiggy Baker, Makua Rothman this year? Those maybe. are the two guys I know yeah. for sure. But but to be honest, I remember an event happening, and now I can't even tell you where it was. But um, the, but this year it happened, a Big Wave World Tour. I put it on my notes for our show to discuss. We did a show, never got around to discussing it. Did another show, never got around to going back to it. And it was kind of like, well, nobody noticed. Nobody seemed to care. And um, you didn't bring it to my attention. I think it took place kind of like the Cape Fear event, but without all the pre-hype, where it's it just it's like a four- or six-hour window on one day as opposed to the CT events that are you know stretched out over four or five days. So there's a lot of commentary throughout. The Big Wave World Tour events run on one day. I think it's eight heats. You know, so it's kind of it comes and goes, and then it's it's gone. Yeah, well, to answer the your, you know, my question to you, um, Makua Rothman, there was only one event in the Southern Hemisphere season. Makua Rothman won it. Okay. Um, but I was trying to obviously highlight the point that it's not really on our radars, and if it's not on your radar, especially because you you're really into competitions, I am too. But you really seem to be dialed into it. Um, it sort of speaks to is the big wave world tour succeeding is it successful is it doing what it's supposed to do and i think what needs to happen and i know it's a bit of a stretch but in a perfect world i think it would be great if we if we brought some of the wct surfers into the big wave world tour and sort of combined the two first of all i think the line is blurring between a big wave specialist and the world tour guys i think it's obvious that guys like Owen Wright, Kai Otten, Kelly Slater, you know, C.J. Hobgood, these guys will charge anything. Right. And um, so to say that there's big wave specialists and then there's this other thing over here called the WCT, I don't buy it. And I think what needs to happen is they need to take the top 10 from the WCT and somehow fit them into a big wave world tour event. And because that's what's going to be the best thing for the big wave world tour. You and I are probably going to tune in more diligently if we know Kelly Slater surfing in a heat 
um, you know, with Gabe Medina at 20 foot jaws. Guess right. what? I'm going to watch that. I'm yeah. going to make sure that's pretty much must watch TV. Imagine Felipe Toledo, you know, <laughs> that that's the biggest question mark right there. It's like, if he's going to paddle out at jaws or even get towed in, I'm totally watching that. And you know, back in the day, the, the Billabong pro, I think it was 86. They, they moved it from sunset beach to Waimea Bay and there was guys that didn't paddle out. Right. Guys on tour. I think Gary Green was one of them. There was a couple of others that just said, no way, man. I'm not doing this. Way to shame Gary Green right now. He's at home listening, bummed out. <laughs> well, if it wasn't Gary, I apologize. I'm pretty sure it was Gary and some other guys too. But, I, you know, I'm just kind of riffing here. No, I know. My point is, is that um, that's pretty dramatic. And that's how you can really tell if these guys are world champion caliber surfers. And oh, by the way, it's going to be the best thing possible for the big wave world tour guys, guys like Sean Dollar. You want to see Sean Dollar's stock go up? Watch him take out Kelly Slater and Gabe Medina at Piahi. That's going to be the best thing that ever happened for Sean Dollar's career and for the big wave world tours, um, you know, for their for them to be in sort of a shot in the arm in the public's eye. You know, that's sort of what's needed. Well, let me ask you this. Um Aside from having some of the CT guys compete in those events, do you have any interest in those events, period? I really don't. Okay. You know, I might have an interest in the Piahi event. The thing about those big wave events is there's so much downtime between right. heats. It's just, it's sort of hard to just, you know, sit around and, oh, there he goes. He'd made a drop, you know? Well, you don't have an interest in a competitive event in that arena, but do you have an interest in big wave surfing in general? Sure. And I have, look, I have an interest in the Eddie. I've, I've watched the Eddie every time it's gone off. And right. um, for whatever reason, it seems like there's a lot of waves that roll in at the Eddie, you know, too. Um, and I've watched the Mavericks event and I certainly have um, an interest in, in 10 to 15 f- feet of chopu unraveling and uh, i have an interest in you know 15 to 20 feet of cloud break incredibleness you know happening that the, you know that's big wave world tour stuff not really i mean that's totally different i would say well i, I that one mammoth day at cloud break was was total big wave world tour material those guys were riding eight nine six you know big guns no but it's running down the reef. Like I agree, I'd prefer to watch a big that. Wave's a big wave. I yeah, mean, but I'd it, rather it, it run seems... down the reef than it be a big mush bomb. But that that is not comparable to the waves that they're running on the big wave world tour. I think it's way more entertaining to watch. I would prefer to watch that giant cloud break swell than a swell at Mavericks. But um, I think that their objective for waves that they're going to allow on that big wave world tour is a little bit different. But personally. I'm not really too engaged by the whole big wave world tour thing. I've really tried to open my eyes and like get involved. And if I educate myself on who's who and what waves are what, it becomes a little more interesting to me. But I mean, the degree of difference between that and big Chopu or big cloud break is a far divide, you know, like I, I'm, it's almost like the ASP sort of bought it like a, um, like an accessory item that they that they bought, um, you know, when they were checking out at this, you know, like they bought the world championship tour, they bought the girls along with it. And oh, by the way, you know what, we should probably swoop up on the big wave world tour because we're going to own the double XL anyway. So if we're going to own the double XL, let's just own the media rights. It'll be um, an easy way for us to, to like, not have to deal with the legalities of Kelly wanting to surf in some of these events. And 
and it, it almost seems like an impulse buy, not an impulse buy, but like a, you know what, let's just buy it. It'll be a loss leader and um, we'll own all the rights to all this great big wave footage. It'll be a great way for us to get the ASP's message out to the mass media who will eat up anything big wave. You know, we can get it on MSNBC right. or wherever and say, oh, big wave. And then, you know, put the ASP logo on it. But I don't think that um, I'm not sure that they, you know, again, it almost seems like it was an accessory item that's, oh, you know what? We probably do need a belt with these pants. Let's go ahead and get that. <laughs> I was thinking hoop earrings is what they were looking for. Yeah, well. Little little flash, you know. Yeah. Catch a suitor's eye. Yeah. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Um, I, interestingly, like I'm, I admire the guys who pursue that for a living and I could see getting into that as you get older and gain more respect for the ocean. But just as a viewer, it hasn't really found a way to be captivating or to be packaged for the viewer, I should say. But so. you admitted though, if, if there was a big wave world tour event that had Gabe Medina, Kelly Slater, Owen Wright, Mick Fanning, Joel Parkinson in it, you'd be more intrigued and more in, inclined to perhaps watch the broadcast. Yeah. But, Instead of having that event on the Big Wave World Tour, I would like to see that event on the CT. Well, me too. I agree. That'd be amazing. I CT totally event. agree with that. But you know, and again, the idea that this would even happen is a super long shot, right? You know, um, but I just feel like the lines are blurring. At some point, it's like, well, which are these the best surfers in the world or not? And if they are, why aren't they surfing these big waves that they keep sending us footage of? Here I am. You know, that's what the guy. At, yeah. At some point, the guy. At, CNBC or MSNBC or whatever is probably going, wait a minute, big wave world tour, world championship tour. What's the difference? Aren't these the best surfers in the world? And you know, why aren't they riding the biggest waves? Right. All right. Moving on. What do you got, dude? Quickly of note, now that the um, Northern hemisphere season is going to kick in, they are rolling the prize money from the Southern hemisphere into the Northern Hemisphere events. Okay. So I like it. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, what do you got? Nothing much, dude. I um, A couple of things online or just video stuff that people should be checking out. Red Bull's 21 Days series is back. This time it's following Chloe Andino and Carissa Moore as they prepare for the Trestles event, which is coming next week. And... Um, that's a CT event for the women this year, uh, which is going to be actually really exciting because that's a wave that they will excel in. And then Chloe Andino has found his form, of course. That's kind of a main storyline. He did really well in Chopu, which was unexpected. He did well at uh, J-Bay and the event before that even, I think, as well. Oh, yeah, Fiji. He got third place. So Chloe's looking really strong going into his hometown event. Well, I, you know, that, those are all in my notes here as well. I don't know if I sent you those notes, but, you know, Chloe's on fire. He's on form. He seems to have found his competitive feet. Is it, um, can it be that it's almost too good to be true, especially when you look at him from a fantasy surfer perspective? Should I put him on my fantasy team? Or is there going to be added pressure now that everyone seems to be saying, hey, man, you're, you're together. You've got your complete package you're kind of expected to step up here. Is he going to have that Michelle Perez, you know, local, a lot of expectations on him, and maybe he'll fall short? Remains to be seen. If you had to put money on it today, what do you think? Where, What round does Chloe finish in in this event? Wow. I, 
I would say that if he doesn't get to the semis, it's a disappointment for him, for the crowd, for everybody. And um, I don't know, you know, I, I don't know. I can't, it's hard. I, I'm struggling trying to figure out if I should put him on my fantasy team or not. He's going on my team. I'm going to boldly claim right now, Kaloe loses in round five. Wow. Well, that would be an up. That would be a disappointment for him and his camp. Yes, would it would. I think he's going to do well. I don't think he's going to sustain momentum, and I think that either Gabe or Kelly, somebody's got him in their sights, and they're just going to assassinate. <laughs> That's what I'm looking at. Now you're waving the USA flag. That's what I'm looking at. <laughs> well, he's from the USA, so that not really. Oh, Kaloe's from the USA. I had Gabe on my brain. Oh yeah, of course you do. Yeah, well, because you know, I, I was thinking Gabe's God. He's he's going to be unstoppable. That guy. No, I know, but uh, I will say I love Kaloe. I love the way that he surfs. I think he's perfectly suited for lowers. He does a big blow tail on the first turn on the right every time. Power wraps and then does a huge air on the end section. I don't know how much better you can surf the wave, and he's done it for ten years. You know, and now he's heftier. He's got a little bit more power. So, but the other thing is, once you see that five or ten times in the early rounds, how is it going to score in round five? And that's really where Slater does his magic is that he has this great ability to sort of temper himself up until and, and keep getting a little bit better each and every round until it's time to just do a crazy 360 aerial or carving 360 or whatever the case may be, something that you hadn't seen all all event long. And here's Kelly sort of just amping it, ramping it up a little bit, bit by bit. Um, and so, yeah, I would hope that Kolohe doesn't sort of overextend himself early in the event and then just seem kind of, I don't want to say boring, but just um, is that all you got, Kolohe? Right. And I think Gabriel falls into that camp too. I mean, I've seen him do a million giant air reverses on the left at lowers. So if he's kind of occasionally goes to his backhand, that'll serve him well. But I think really what we're identifying is that variety is going to be the name of the game out there. Whichever surfer can throw just that little bit of spice and variety into their repertoire will be the ones to post surprising scores, you know. So that's what that's what I'm looking for. Well, the Hurley Pro starts the 9th of September, which is 6 days from today. And um, certainly you're going to want to get your fantasy surfer teams uh, tuned up for that because uh, a lot different than probably what you had on your Chopu team. Did you see on Surfline their um, World Champ Roundtable? I have not watched that yet. Okay. This is the second installment. The first one was a year ago, and it was uh, Kelly Slater, CJ Hobgood, Parco, and Fanning sitting around a table talking, just chatting. And um, kind of a long form, long form discussion, much like our podcast. In fact, I think maybe they stole the idea from our podcast. Probably, <laughs> they're like these guys, they're so interesting. We should do the same thing. Well, thank no, you. <laughs> no, not really, not really. But they're they just did a second installment, and this time it's with Sonny Garcia, Tom Curran, Tom Carroll, and Aki. Runs maybe thirty to forty minutes long of just them chatting about. Uh, you know, epic showdowns, heats, and... Um, By the way, how was Aki in the commentary booth at the Tahiti event? He was cracking you tell me, me up, dude. He was cracking me up. He had that, like, kind of, like, evil, sinister glare with... Uh, he was kind of Cro-Magnon. Oh, really? You're <laughs> yeah. going there? Yeah. Um, did you find him to be insightful? No, I didn't think... I, I 
I feel like they need to revamp. It's hard, you know, again, I think we talk about this every time. There's a lot of time that it needs to be filled in those webcasts, but I'm not convinced that Aki is is the guy. You know, he's better when he's just fun-loving Aki. When you when you kind of constrain him and put the straight jacket on him and make him kind of just play that role, he's yeah. not Aki. Aki needs to be Aki, and if Aki's not Aki, it's no fun. Right. My favorite bit, my favorite uh, quip of his in the broadcast booth was it was one of the lay days or they put the contest on hold. It was good in the morning. And then when they were putting it on hold, Strider goes, yeah, well, maybe it'll get better this afternoon. And then Aki goes, well, we'll never know, will we, Strider? (laughs) (laughs) And nobody commented on it. Uh. But it was just like, uh, we'll actually know in about three hours. (laughs) Sit tight, Aki. (laughs) Yeah, that thing needs to be, from a production standpoint, I think it needs to be looked at. You know, I, I don't know what the answer is. It's a it's a quagmire. It's a tough spot to be in. How do you fill the time? Obviously, they're they're like, okay, look, Joe and Martin Potter, they've got to speak for 35 minutes. Let's give them a break. So let's cut to the studio guys and have them sort of give their insight. I think the guy they need is Barton Lynch. Think, oh yeah, I, I think Barton Lynch is way more professional, um, you know, and even Sh- uh, Sean Doherty. I just think that there's better guys that can give insight, and I'm not sure you need three guys in that booth. That sort of I don't know what they call it, the insight booth, the one that has Ronnie Strider and Aki. Ronnie's killing it. You know, he's in, he's incredible. Yeah, you Ronnie. Know, we've always said that he is the guy. He needs to be. You know, in every single broadcast, he's the he's the pro. Pete Mel's good in the channel doing the heat interviews. He's very good. Um, Todd Klein was not at this event. I'm not sure why. He was fishing. Yeah, but it seems like Ronnie, like they switch off or something. Like they're playing the same role. They maybe. need to bring Kleine and you know, they need to get the guys that are best on camera and then figure it out. Like, you know, Kleine can break down Chopu just as well as Aki can. Oh yeah. So what is Kleine doing now, dude? Is he a pro fisherman or what? He's testing the waters, no pun intended, of the, um, I don't know what the tour is called, but it's it's freshwater bass fishing. He's competing, though, on a professional yeah, level, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And well. he's finishing. Yeah, he's doing good. I mean, he's sponsored, and I don't I don't know exactly where he's at with it, but I'm, I follow him on Facebook, and I'm sort of a, well, I am a big fan. I like watching that. I think it's cool that that. Guys are following their passion and doing things that they've loved to do for a long time, and he's taking it to a whole different level for himself, and um, I, I think it's cool. He surfs really well, like still surfs well. Oh, yeah. Obviously, he used to surf really well. Well, yeah, he was on the tour. Yeah. Um, do you fish? I can catch a fish. I don't consider myself a fisherman. Though. So what's the difference? How is Kleine catching freaking so many fish, whereas <laughs> you and I wouldn't? I mean, it seems like a stupid question to a professional fisherman, but yeah. to the layman, I mean, how do you get a fish to cat jump on your line? You know what? I don't know. There's probably a lot of, you know, nuance, you know, like, um, patience, the equipment, the bait, you know, the timing sort of instinct. I'm yeah. Sure there's a lot of all that stuff. No, I'm super interested. We should have Kleine on. Or, Give us I'd a love bass to get, fishing we, we demo. We gotta get dude. him on just to talk bass fishing. Yeah, for sure. It would be good. Spent a day with him one time driving up to see Bobby Martinez after that whole tennis debacle thing. By the way, it's so funny you say that because during the Chopu event, I so wanted to tweet out there. I wonder, is it true that... is it true that bobby martinez is playing tennis right now because the waves are firing are you telling me bobby martinez wouldn't want to be in that event 
Yeah, oh I don't know if he'd be willing to exchange all the bull crap along the way just to be there for one event, but oh, uh, but he very well might might want to. Well, rumor has it that you know he was playing tennis during the Chopu event. Oh, is that you're starting that rumor right now? <laughs> you had a couple good tweets uh, throughout the event. I always appreciate that. Oh, yeah. Seems like with your Twitter account, it goes hot and heavy for like 20 minutes every seven days. Yeah, it can go dormant. I've been known to go dormant on the Twitter. Yeah, for six days straight. Yeah. Standard. Um, Anything else? Um, I'm not sure. Oh, you know, one thing that I'll point out to listeners, follow Surf Splendor on Facebook because if for no other reason, every once in a while, what youth posts a full-length surf video from our past, but it's only available for a day or two, and I try to stay clued in, and I'll post it on Facebook just to let people know. But this week, they just posted 5.5 five by 19 and a quarter, the original, and uh, I don't own a copy of it, and I hadn't seen it for a while, and it was like I just had to figure out a way to carve 45 minutes out of my day to watch the thing, and it was freaking so radical dude yeah Corey lopez chris ward andy irons are the main stars of it writing obviously the five five board made famous by matt biolis in the mid 90s but it's like that footage if used today would make the cut they're a quality clips today and it was 20 years ago yeah you know especially andy he's one of those guys that um when you look back on it you go god we you know we really miss him you know at least his surfing you know, like that guy was power and spontaneity and just um, he really, you know, you, that, that cliche that he wears it on his sleeve. But when he's surfing, he, he just seems fearless. Yeah. Well, I think it also, even though they're riding boards that they're kind of whipping around, it also goes to show power, how relevant power surfing is across time. Because they're getting the tail out, but they're really driving those boards. You know, they're like driving off the bottom really carving them and so that style of surfing just doesn't really go out i mean i'm saying it's 20 years old and it's still relevant but you can watch power surfing from the 70s and the 60s and whenever and and all of that is equally relevant the boards from those eras feel less familiar now whereas the 5.5 still has a little familiarity but um but that power base is really what those guys were doing i mean chris ward and and andy in particular their base was in power always, you know? Yeah. And so that's really what, what translates, I think. The um, MSA contest, the longboard contest, uh, it's a tradition they've been having it there at Malibu for, I don't know, 50 years or whatever it is. Um, that's happening this weekend. And there's a big swell, Southern Hemisphere swell on tap. And in conjunction with that, they're having the Surf Aid Cup, which is a benefit to raise money, of course, for Surf Aid International. So the Surf Aid Cup is going to be a shortboard event um, on Saturday. I've been lucky enough to find a position on one of the teams, so I get to go shortboard Malibu on Saturday. Oh, really? And I'm also in the longboard event surfing for one of the clubs, so I've got a big Malibu weekend. And I would urge everyone to go out and watch the Surf Aid Cup. And if you can find it in your budget to donate some monies to the Surf Aid cause, um, it's a great one, and um, I know they would appreciate it. Tell me about the event itself. You said you had to be in a club to get the invite to the longboard. Yeah, it's a longboard club event. So there's probably 15 clubs from, you know, the southern or the, all the California coast. In fact, the Pacific coastline from Washington down. And then there's clubs, you know, from there's like a Hawaiian club and there's clubs from all over. How does it work, though? You're part of a club. But yeah. 
do you like do you combine your scores as a team yeah. or what? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you surf in different age divisions. So each club has one guy in each age division, and then there's a paddle uh, paddle race, and then they add up all the you know the points from each individual on the club, and then um, that's your you know your final club tally. What um, club are you in? Uh, this time around, I'm in the Cardiff Surf Club. Okay, sweet man. Yeah. How many how many people are in the club in the event? Uh, there's it's a little bit packed. I, I would imagine. I don't know how many, maybe 120 people in the event. I, I don't no, know. No, but in the Cardiff Surf Club, like, oh, how I don't many know. do you I'm have on your team? A, I'm sort of a free agent. I just, they, you know, they're like, hey, we got a spot. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. You know, like just last to surf time, Malibu with well, only a couple it. guys out. That's exactly. It. Yeah, I surf for Swamis a couple times, and and um, yeah. Swamis gonna be pissed now that you're on. You know what? I, um, no, I don't think so. I don't know. Well, it depends how good you them. surf, I guess. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> depends if you do well. Exactly. The shortboard event, though, that's going to be well, a little more challenging, right? I'm psyched on the shortboard thing because what happens is there's a group of professionals and each SurfAid Cup team picks one of the professionals to surf for them. And the team that gets the first pick is the team that raises the most money. So there are teams that are out there fundraising now. And if they raise the most money, they get the number one draft pick. So guys like Strider will be in it. Um, Rosie Hodge is going to be there. Um uh, Lisa Anderson, you know, so s- some other like, you know, B-list pro guys that are really good surfers from the Malibu area will be there. And so each team picks a pro and then we all surf together during our time, I guess. It's really cool. It's a great, great idea. Is Quicksilver involved with that? Mm, I don't think Quicksilver's involved, uh, no. Just but. the three people you named are all like Quicksilver. Yeah. Well, not Strider's not anymore, but he was a lifer yeah. prior to that. I don't know if Quicksilver's involved or not. Yeah, yeah. I just I know Firewire has a team, Surfade has two teams, and there's some other teams. I mean, you can pay five thousand and be and get a team. Sure. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Um, I've got a side note I wanted to share with you and the listeners. Uh, maybe listeners didn't listen to my last episode, so I'll clue them in on this. But I'm hosting Surf Splendor is sponsoring a screening for a surf film later this month. Um. I did an episode with a filmmaker last episode, Jason Baffa, who made One California Day and Single Fin Yellow. Did you see either of those films? Yes, I've seen them both. And Jason also just did Bella Vida, right? The Italian That's what we're movie. screening. Yeah, Bella Vida just screened here at La Paloma, and I was all set up to go to it, but I was down in Baja surfing. Oh, priorities, huh? Yeah. Well, uh, I went to a screening in Santa Monica, Bella Vida, and um, interviewed Jason, of course, for the podcast, and wasn't planning to host a screening previously but after watching the film i was like i i need to get on board with this thing because firstly we need to support quality art you know what i mean and this is something that is best viewed in a theater it'll be awesome when you're watching it on your computer at home in between during your lunch break at work or something like that but realistically it's cinematic it's shot on 35 millimeter film and it's beautiful, and it also has a sweeping narrative that, you know, if you if you watch it in segments on your computer, it's not really going to have the full effect. And if you're just looking for like ripping surfing, it's not. It's in there, but it's um, it's kind of in. It's a coming home story about going to Italy, isn't it? Yeah, Chris Del Moro tracing his family's lineage through Italy, yeah. basically, and he yeah. has his best friends join him. Dave Rostovich's footage in it is so legit, and we don't see Rostovich surf often enough nowadays you know 
So are I you, think he's one of the best surfers in the world. I agree. He, he's he's right up there with Tom Curran, and um, you know some other. He's him and Curran. I think are the two most stylish surfers. I couldn't agree more. And I feel like when Rasta came along in America, we didn't really see enough of him. And then he kind of just faded away. And he's still around, but he's not in the media eye so much. And I just always felt like I never had my thirst quenched for Rasta, you know? So any little thing like this that I get, I'm just excited to see. And not only is this surfing rad, but he's in, you know, he's interviewed a lot in the movie because they're talking about their experience in Italy and not only surfing, but then working with a marble sculptor, working at a pasta maker, working a wine, a grape harvest, um, and other things too. So it's like, it's like kind of a love letter to Italy more than it is a surf movie. Yeah. It's a documentary, um, that features surfing prominently, but the coffin brothers are in there and Connor also his surfing alone is worth watching the movie for yeah, yeah. the kids on fire. They score actually some pretty good waves. So anyways, I'm hosting surf splendors, hosting a screening. It's going to be in long beach on Wednesday, September 24th, just five minutes from Huntington beach, uh, North orange County. And it's also South LA. So if you're anywhere in that area, you can buy tickets online surfsplendorpodcast.com has the link and tell your friends you know yeah go out and meet david too you'll be there and jason should be there too we're gonna do a little q a before the event so cool yeah i'm really excited i encourage you to watch it too all right so uh how do you feel about kook and duke and must see moment and all that jazz um i don't feel good about it (laughs) to be honest with you uh let's see would you like what? to listen to mine? Yes, yes. Give me yours. I always prefer for you to listen to me talk anyway, Scott. Oh, so oh just sit, sit back and enjoy. Oh, this, this can't be long. This needs to be a quick segment. Why? You got somewhere to go? No, but I'm just saying like. what is, is this down the line surf what radio? <laughs> surf what radio? Look, here's the deal. Is that talk I think radio. people like smaller segments about more topics than long segments and i'll tell you why because i know you say hey look this format gives us all the time in the world we can talk in depth about whatever but if that's the if that's your reasoning then why are all the video segments that we watch two and three minutes and anything over three minutes we don't like because you're watching that when you have other work to do on your computer or you're looking at instagram on your phone people that are listening to this are on no, the road you go from your two minute video clip that you like to another two minute video clip that you like that are to another two minute video clip that you like but my point is if those other two and three weren't there you would commit more time to the first one my point is you got your headphones on you're either jogging right now or you're on the treadmill or whatever at the gym you want to hear more or you're in your car and you can't be checking Instagram on your phone because you're a captive audience. They want more. What happened when you used to do down the line 30 minute episodes? What was the feedback you got? Look, they want more, but I th- it, it reminds, you know, that what's that show on ESPN that I really like? Um, Pardon the Interruption, where they just throw out a lot of different topics and they briefly you know, fine tune the, the most important part of that topic they give each other, I think, a minute and a half, and then they move on to the next topic. I think this show would benefit from a format such as that. It's an apples and oranges comparison. That's a completely different platform than podcasting. But maybe our viewers have an opinion about this. That would be good. Yeah, what do you think? Chime where, in. Where should they chime in at? 
they should chime in at surftalksandiego at gmail.com or hello at surf splendor podcast or in, com. instagram and twitter just search at surf splendor yeah let so. us know if you like the idea of of the pardon the interruption format or topics excavated at length and deeper than say pardon the interruption i don't even need to hear what they say i already know what they feel <laughs> oh my, my. <laughs> oh my um, next topic no so <laughs> must see moment Okay. And Duke and Kook. Okay. Uh, must-see moment this week is actually Clay Marzo. He's got a little YouTube video that he just put up called West Oz Slabs. Have you come across that? No. Dude, Clay Marzo. By the way, he also just made the cover of the latest Surfing magazine and doing a big clayback, which is his signature <laughs> maneuver. A clayback, huh? Yeah, I did not make that up for the record. Okay. That is a well... Uh, well-known term but that is what he does this clayback which is the gnarliest layback you've ever seen and so that's on the cover of the current surfing magazine and they actually do a really in-depth article with him i just saw it today i did not get a chance to read it but i'm going to read it but must see moment is this video clip of him in west oz so clay obviously is from maui um he has asperger's and he's kind of he's kind of fallen out of the surf scene. He was arguably one of the best surfers in the world for a lot of years there coming up. And he was on Quicksilver when they went through all their big cuts, he got dropped off the team. And part of the deal was he likes to stay in Maui. He's from Maui. He's kind of antisocial, which is part of the Asperger's thing. And uh, so he would just stay in Maui and surf waves by himself, but never really show up for photo trips and media trips that his sponsors required of him. Well, now he has a girlfriend in Australia, so he's been spending a bit of time in West Oz, and he's been surfing out there. Interesting to note that he trunks it. He doesn't actually... Everybody else is wearing wetsuits. He's trunking it, but he surfs so unbelievably well. It's like prodigy-level surfing, and, um, and this video is really reiterates that. We've seen tons of footage of him from Maui and it all starts to look the same. He gets super barreled and does a million of those claybacks. <laughs> this is a little bit different environment and he's kind of doing that again, but it's, it's just, it's different and it's gnarlier than it used to be. And, um, with this interview and feature on surfing, I'm wondering kind of if he's got a new sponsor in the wings or what's going to happen or why there's hype around him right now. But, uh, really you got to watch this stuff. It's just mind blowing. Some of the, the claybacks that he's stomping. Well, my musty moment is this Kira footage that I found on um, Vimeo. It was put out on the Mad Hueys. Uh, they have a video subscription channel that you should check out. But it's basically a, a selection of just incredible recent Kira footage, um, just mind-blowing, mind-bending, super long right-hand sand bottom point tubes that are really, really deep. And uh, it's it, it'll get you fired up to go get tubes. So it's the um, best cura you've ever seen, and it's overhead and a half, basically. Parco, Fanning, the Dorringtons, all just getting shacked endlessly, right? Yeah, it's it's if you're a regular foot, it's there really needs to be nothing more. Yeah, and the Mad Hueys did a sick job of putting this thing together. I think it's like a 15 minute video, right? Is it's about 10 said? minutes. 10 long, minutes. Yeah. Um, who are the Mad Hueys, by the way? You know, it's funny. I- I think they put out like um, sort of risque T-shirts and hats that are sort of a little bit s- s- with a lot of sexual innuendo and Australian sort of sophomoric humor. 
a la the old um, like bubblegum surf wax t-shirts of the 80s like blow me and you know like stuff right. like that um there's but some character just a cast of characters in australia that that are you know have got this brand name and um they seem to be having a good time with it so they're just selling t-shirts and hats basically from what i know I, i'm no expert on what exactly they do i they do put out a lot of really great well not a lot of really great but this particular video is really yeah. great is it luke dorrington and brett dorrington that are brent with an n brent dorrington. but are they the guys behind the mad Hughes? they might be i think they are they might be somebody educate us on that thing um by the way we're watching this clip right now and dean morrison is driving down through a barrel at kira I saw Dean Morrison out at Lowers uh, maybe about a month ago, and I've forgotten about Dean. The guy was ripping. He was out there with. Uh, he showed up with Albie Lair, and uh, but Dean, I mean, stood out. I I was shocked how well that guy surfs. Yeah. Have you seen him around at all when he's in Southern California? Yeah, he's, he he paddled out at Swami's one time this winter and surfed with him a little bit, and I know he's a world class uh, talent. <laughs> it's remarkable. I mean. You see guys come out like B-list pros come out sometimes and you're blown away how good they are. And then you see another guy come out and you go, well, if Kelly Slater is 10 times better than the B-list guy, I can't even imagine what Kelly'd be doing out here, you know? Yeah. But but Dean was on that level of those A-list guys where I was like, holy crap, where did he go, man? Yeah. I'd love to see more of him. All right, what about Duke and Kook? Uh, gosh. Um, I got one. Go ahead. Okay, my Duke of the week is Brad Gerlach. Duke Hanamoku, Brad Gerlach. Brad Gerlach. Right. I take back everything bad I've ever said about Brad and his Instagram. What, and what his, do you have against his and his, I don't, This is all new to me. You, oh, I've said it. I've you've said, said it. bad stuff about Brad? Well, dude, it's just his obsession with hope fashion, you know, and like looking hip oh. is a little bit offensive to my delicate sensibility. Okay. But... The reason why Brad is my Duke is he was out at Malibu that night that I was out and he took off super deep. I didn't know who it was. It's just a silhouette of some guy. And I was just blown. I was mesmerized. I'm like, whoa, this guy just bottom turn, top turn, bottom turn, top turn. But the amount of kind of flow and style and arm placement, I was like, dude, that guy is ripping. I just thought it was some no name guy at first. Just thinking, that guy is ripping harder than most pros rip. And then figured out by kind of the third move, I'm like, oh, that's Gerlach. And he's wearing like a long John Weddy, like a, you know, tank top top with the long legs. Uh, so he's styled out with his wetsuit and just going to town on overhead waves. And I was, I was like, well, that deserves a shout out. Well, good. That does not surprise me at all. Brad's been a world-class surfer for 30 years and um yeah well good, yeah. good great style Gr uh, yesterday he instagrammed a link to epictv.com they did a little feature with him it's called air odyssey yeah I've seen, <laughs> I've seen a little bit of that on facebook so basically the concept is they did a five-minute video with him all shot in bali and uh and it's just, I guess he's writing a book. He does surf coaching. He was Connor Coffin's coach for a couple of years. And uh, he's writing a book about surf coaching and had written a chapter about doing airs and was able to articulate the technicality of how to do the maneuver. But 
can't put it into practice basically. So he said, you know what, before this book goes out, let's, I'm going to figure out how to practice what I preach. And so this little five bit piece on epictv.com follows Brad Gerlich trying to do an air. And he's, there's a lot of video footage, a lot of him failing and, um, of surfing. And then a lot of him discussing it and kind of analyzing each wave. And I thought it was really, really good. I, I kind of commend Brad for putting it out there and just being like, dude, I'm a kook when it comes to airs, but I'm going to try to do it. And I'm going to document the process and allow you to see that, you know, and, um, not to give away the ending, but he, he stomps a couple, none of them that are legit, but he gets in the air and he stomps a couple, you know, and a couple more than I stomp. That's for sure. And he's still trying, you know, yeah. it's like the guys in his forties yeah. trying to keep up. Yeah. So I thought Good. that was really bad. That's my Duke. Right on. I've got a kook. Go for it. Um, on that same session, you mentioned Laird Hamilton was out there. I saw probably 20 posts on Facebook about Laird Hamilton shooting the pier. <laughs> Did you see the same? Dude, I'm telling you, he not only shot the pier, he helped give birth to a litter of puppies and then taught them American Sign Language. It was all on the inertia. It was. And the inertia went overboard with this swell. It's like dude, clickbait. Dude, I had my my parents, people that don't even surf, contacting me like, hey, did you see Laird Hamilton shoot the pier in Malibu? Did you tell him about the, the puppies <laughs> that he birthed? I did. But it's kind of like Laird's not my kook at all. My kook is all the people that, sh that think that shooting the pier is that great of a feat. You know, it's like I see people shoot the pier literally every single day at Huntington. And half the time it's guys who can hardly surf. And... Yeah, Laird shot it on an SUP, and the piling's maybe a little bit closer there, but they don't know that nuance, and that's not what they're amazed by. They're just amazed that somebody went through the pilings. You are my kook if you think it was super radical that Laird shot the pier at Malibu. So the inertia's your kook, then, basically. Whoever wrote that article on the inertia, <laughs> it's all user-submitted. So. Oh, Lordy. So that's my kook of the week. All right, well, good show. Thank you. Good yeah. show to you, Scott. Yes, good show, sir. Nice to be back in the hot seat. Yes. Um, I guess we'll do this again in two weeks. And, in fact, I know we'll do it again in two weeks. And we apologize for the Hurricane Marie interruption, but the waves were pumping and we were gone. I posted my Jason, Jason Baffa episode then, so it worked out perfectly. Okay. Needed to hype up this screening. All right. So surfsplendorpodcast.com, where you can see all of the – ancillary videos and photos from this episode by the way let me quickly shout out since you're doing your own little shout outs for your own stuff let me shout out the uh, 100 wave challenge i'm doing it september 20th i need your help i'm trying to raise ten thousand dollars i'm getting close i've got about four thousand but I really need your help out there in listener land if you can donate any amount of money it would be helpful i'd really appreciate it 100wave.org and there'll be a link there to search for surfers and you just search for me Scott Bass and then donate to my my part of the cause and it's for a great cause which is a boys to men mentoring which is these kids that don't have fathers and uh, it's a really a fabulous organization again 100wave.org if you can please donate a little bit thanks I saw that uh, that one listener donated $10,000 right accidentally 
Because it's like whatever the dollar amount is times 100 because it's 100 waves. Oh. So I think what it, you know, they put in an amount and it multiplied it by 100. Oh. Do you remember? You didn't get, you got that email. Yeah, you yeah. might have forgotten. It was an accident, but it was funny. Uh, well, I appreciate the donation and, yeah. and let's keep them rolling in here. Um, we're about, you know, two and a half weeks away. Yeah. Solid. All right. Well, Scott Bass. Yeah. Okay. Until next time then, um, adios and aloha. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Surf Splendor. Make sure to follow us on social media at Surf Splendor. And if you're listening in iTunes or Stitcher, please make sure to rate and review the show. That helps other people to find the show. It helps with our search rankings and all that kind of stuff. And uh, we always are just curious to hear what your reviews of the shows are, positive or negative. And then also feel free to email me that feedback, hello at surfsplendorpodcast.com, where you can also find all of the videos and photos that accompany today's episode. And then if you're interested in the music of Surf Splendor, including this classic by Wings, you can find a complete track listing on surfsplendorpodcast.com, as well as an embedded Spotify player playing every song from every episode. So please enjoy that. And I believe that's it until next week. I have a a special episode that I've been working on and I've been apprehensive to promote it in advance uh, just because it hasn't quite fully come together yet, but it will. And it's been postponed repeatedly over the course of the last three months. And, um, And so I'm glad that I haven't actually promoted it yet. But I'm very excited about it. It's just a particular guest that I think will be um, really interesting to hear from. And so just look forward to that. That's all I need to say about it for now. But until then and until next week, this is your host of Surf Splendor, David Scales, saying thank you for listening and ciao. Ciao.